Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Matt McCary. I'm a member here of North Maine, me and my family, and uh, we are just excited to be here with you this morning. We're excited to uh, have you be here with us. Um, if you're new, we mean that honestly. Uh, sometimes uh, whenever people hear that, they're like, oh, well, I don't know. Churches get the accusation of being um, sometimes not the most welcoming places, and sometimes when you're new, you come in, and, and we hope that we are doing the best, but just hear from me. We genuinely are glad you are here if someone hasn't said that to you already. Um, I am excited to continue on with our sermon series. This whole uh, year we've been focusing on the idea of joy. We've been looking at joy and how do we find joy? How do we find joy in our lives? And what does the Bible tell us about it? And it's been a pretty good um, year to try and look for those things because it's been a year that's been plagued by joyless things. Um, and it seems to just keep on giving, right? Um, it's like the uh, Energizer Bunny of bad years, right? Uh, and so I, t- today I just kind of want to, we're going to look at um, the book of Ephesians and we're going to look at what Paul um, is telling to that church in Ephesus and the, the sermon uh, series that we're doing right now is titled The Fight for Joy. And so we're going to talk about fighting for joy, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. But I just really want it to be a time where we, uh, we go through and we have maybe, maybe a little bit of uplift, um, maybe a little bit of encouragement. I'm hoping that that comes out. See, the book of um, Ephesians, that's what its whole purpose was. Uh, Paul has a special relationship with the, uh, the church in Ephesus. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Paul, Paul was a uh, disciple and uh, later an apostle of Christ. He, uh, he had started out um, opposing the church and really trying to hunt down people in the church and persecute them. And he came to know Christ and it transformed his life and he became a uh, missionary out into the world for uh, Christ. And he went on three recorded missionary trips. And the, a lot of people think he actually went on four. Um, the fourth one doesn't end up anywhere in the Bible, but there's some historical context to tell us that he might have gone on four trips. Um, but on his first, or actually on his second trip, he goes and uh, he plants a church in the uh, town of Ephesus. And uh, he becomes very close with those people. Um, they become like family to him. And so he has a lot of uh, joy when he sees them. And he actually relies very heavily on this church when um, he's in times of trial. When he's facing discouragement or when he's facing p- pain, he reaches out to this church specifically quite a few times. He actually asks them to come and meet him at one point in time in his missionary. He says, can you send some of the people from your church? I need some encouragement. I need to talk to them. And we hear about that in the book of Acts um, where those people come and they meet him and, uh, and he, they just have a meeting. And, and it's, a, it's a kind of a bittersweet moment because he's pretty convinced that he's never going to see them again at that moment. Um, and so he needs kind of a bolstering and he's also saying goodbye. Um, and so this church is so actually important to him that on his third missionary trip, 
he stops and he stays there for like three years. Um, and he lives with them. And he becomes, he sets up a ministry there. And so this church, near and dear, and again, one last thing that he does to even show further how important this church was to him is that he lifted up a young man named Timothy, Paul did, mentored him, discipled him. And Timothy was very, very special to Paul. Paul calls him my son. He refers to him as um, familial, and he is in a very good relation with him. And Paul actually sends Timothy to be the pastor in the church in Ephesus because um, he cares so deeply for this church that he's like, I'm sending you, like, I'm sending you my, my right-hand guy uh, to go and take care of you. And so this letter that we have to the Ephesians is a letter of encouragement, and it's written by Paul while he's in prison. So Paul is in prison. He is under kind of house arrest. He says he's in chains, um, and he writes it, and he's trying to encourage the church in Ephesus. It's mind-blowing when you really think about it, and the words that come from Paul when he's talking to them, talking about being um, in unity. That's what the whole um, book of Ephesians is about, is unity. The first half is about unity in Christ. He says, all of us, if you're Christians, are unified under Christ. And then the second part is, is how do we as a body then unify? He says, so unified as a church. He says, unified as a people under Christ at the beginning, unified as a church. So the whole idea about encouragement and about finding this peace and this joy that he talks about in the book is unity. That's what the whole idea is about. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to look at, um, specifically, we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, I believe. 10 through 20 or 10 through 19. Pages are hard to slip. Um, yeah, I think through 19, or through 20. So this is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. I'm just going to go ahead and read this first part. I'm not going to read through the whole thing just yet. Because um, what we're going to talk about today is really the idea of trying to find, if we're going to fight for joy, if we're going to try to fight for joy in a time that looks like this. And, and the reason I wanted to tell you a little bit about the background of the story of, of this church in Ephesus is because they were facing persecution, they were facing, um, they, not only did Paul, this person who was like a dear leader to them, was in chains, he was being persecuted, they thought he was going to die. They themselves were being persecuted in their towns, we've talked about it, Brandon's talked about it, where they were being kicked out of their workers' guilds and unions, they were being kicked out of their places of worship, um, they were being kicked out of marketplaces because uh, they were no longer abiding by cultural norms. They were being exiled by family. And so Paul, in this time of being in chains, he says, listen, I have joy. That's what this idea of this book is. He goes, I have joy because I'm in unity with all of you in Christ. And we have joy together. We should be able to have joy together regardless of what's going on. And he goes, I have joy because I know that you are my brothers and sisters. And I know that you have experienced and accepted Christ. And so no matter what we face here, there is something more. And that's that theme. And so today we're going to look at the very end. He closes out. He talks about unity in the church. He talks about unifying as a people. And he closes out his word by giving them kind of an uh, encouragement to 
know who they're fighting. In this fight for joy, in this fight for, for Christ to stand up, to stand strong, and to stand firm in our faith and fight for the things that we believe, he says, you need to know when this is all said and done, who you're fighting. And then he says, once you know that, you can know how to fight the battle. And so we're going to read this beginning here. It says, the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you would be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm going to pause there for a second. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about this morning and what I wanted to go with this scripture and where I, and, and he's about to talk about the putting on the armor of God and we, we focus a lot on what that looks like um, and we're going to look at that today but this portion of the beginning we often skip through or just kind of jump over or you know glance at a little bit but it's so important it's so important because if we don't realize the battle that we're actually in, then we can't fight no matter how much armor we're wearing. We see this um, in, earlier in Ephesians, and I highlighted this um, in Ephesians 2.11. I want to read this passage. I just want you to listen. Uh, we don't have a slide for it or anything. You don't have to turn there, but I just want you to listen. This is like, for me, it's, it's almost poetry that, that Paul writes. He talks about what this looks like, um, knowing who our enemy is. And he talks about it so beautifully here, I wanted to read it. Um, it says, Do not forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now that you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body or in own people, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. I wanted to read this because what Paul's trying to do, what, what picture he's trying to paint, is he's trying to say that we as human beings, we look out and we can see, especially when we become Christians, we can see moralistic dilemmas pretty clearly. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look out into the world and we can see when there's right and when there's wrong. Right now, it's a little bit cloudy to try and figure that things out. And people are freaking out, right? Because for a first time in history, that's becoming maybe a little bit harder. I wouldn't say first time in history, um, but for, for a while, it's been seemingly easier. But what Paul is saying is that if you look out into the world and you see people and you separate people into enemies and non-enemies, then you're looking at the world completely wrong. He's saying that people are not our enemies. 
That's what this beginning of, this, uh, of our passage today is. Um, he says, you do not fight against flesh and blood enemies. No matter what we're facing today, no matter what's going on in our culture, no matter what is going on with the election, I mean, if, if we're honest with ourselves, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of people in this room right now are feeling fairly discouraged. Whether, no matter what you voted for, just by the fact that the process is doing what it's doing right now, right? You, both sides are feeling frustration. People are feeling frustrated because the news is telling us that we may be going back into lockdowns, right? States across the country are doing it. We're frustrated because we can't find solutions. We're frustrated because we can't see truth. We're having trouble figuring out what's truth from what's false. And so we're battering against things. We're slamming against things. We're raging against things. We're standing up and fighting against things that we're seeing. And Paul is saying, no, 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 listen. All these people who you view as enemy, maybe it's the other political side, opposite of who you are. Maybe it's someone in office that you say, man, that person is the enemy. They are the devil. No, they are not. They are not. They are a person created in the image of God. And there is evil in this world that people can allow into their lives. And that's what we need to fight. That's what putting on this armor is. When we go and we talk about, we talk about finding joy and then yet we fight so hard against these things in this world, it's not going to happen. I, I was trying to think about how to put this in words because I was struggling with this as I was going through trying to prep for this sermon. And oftentimes God will make things happen in my life when I'm trying to figure that out to kind of give me a better picture. And I've been, I was reading this over and over again. I was thinking about this over and over again. And for the past um, few weeks, our, uh, our youngest, our two-year-old, has been giving us a little bit of trouble at um, bedtime. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> She's been screaming like her head off and, uh, and we've been trying to figure out how do we, how, how do, we do this? How we, we've tried all these different things and, and uh, before it comes off like I'm some sort of perfect parent, I, I'm talking two weeks we've been trying. I've been Googling how to, how to get a toddler to listen to you, right? Um, asking people. So, but it was, it was either Friday or, or I think it was Thursday or Friday night. We were in this same routine where she's just angry and she's yelling and she's screaming and, and I'm getting angry because I'm in that room and, and even though she has a very limited vocabulary, the words still hurt, right? She's looking at me with so much anger and so much like disdain and she's like, no, daddy, no, leave, you know, and it's like, okay, and, and my blood starts boiling and I remember just kind of ruminating on this, like this popped into my head and the idea like she's not the enemy like popped into my head. Because in that moment, if I was honest with who I was, I was viewing her as the enemy. What can I do to win this fight against this person? She's the enemy. And in that moment, I had a crossroads. I could go down that road and I could be the person who does that or I could go and try a different path. And so I did, and I just, I sat down on the ground, and I looked her in the eye, and she's screaming at me, and I said, I love you, you don't have to be angry. And in my own spirit, I'm like about to explode, right? Like, I'm, see here I'm telling her she doesn't have to be angry. And something in her just like, just dropped. She looked right at me, and she said, I'm sorry, Daddy, and she ran in and gave me a hug. Now, this is not going to happen every time, I promise you. 
and the reason is, is because in that moment, this is why I share this, not to show that I'm some sort of you know, great parent or that she's a perfect daughter or whatever. The reason I share this is because in that moment, we decided not to fight a battle against each other, but we both individually decided to fight a spiritual battle against what was plaguing us. And in that moment, the two of us won. And we came together in unity and in peace. And that night was done. Right? We went right to bed and it was good. This is the truth. Is there's sometimes when one or two of us are going to lose that battle. When I feel so much rage and I, I can't put it back and I say something to her that just encourages her to feel that rage and fuels it. Or she'll do the same. Or I will come to her and say, I want you, you are loved and you don't have to be angry. And she'll ignore that Holy Spirit in her telling her to choose that. And she'll, she'll push it out of the way and she'll choose anger and hate. And so here's the thing is that it's not always going to work. But what Paul is saying is, is that we have to think that way. We have to think in such a way that we look at people and we see people and we say, yes, they're making bad choices. And yes, those choices have consequences and they may hurt us. But if we don't view people as the enemy and we view these spiritual things as the enemy, then we know the battle that we're in. Jesus even talks about this. He says, love your enemies, right? How can you love your enemy? That's an oxymoron. It's not possible. If someone's truly your enemy, you cannot love them. Right? Because those words, they don't match up. If a person is against you, right, our, our language is, is limited, right? So I understand that. There's not th- words for that. But there's people that can act against you, but it's the, it's the spiritual forces in them. It's the, it's the spiritual forces of anger and hate and malice. And it's their rejection of God. And it's their rejection of his love that is spurring them on to do these actions. And again, hear me. I am not telling you that that does not equal consequence or that that lets people off the hook for the things that they've done. They're making conscious choices just like you and me. But when we begin to look at people and we begin to look at this world and realize that the battles we're actually fighting are spiritual in our own lives, in our relationships, then we know that the fight we're in. One other kind of demonstration that I thought of whenever I was thinking about this was Um, I had struggled with, and I've shared this before, I've struggled with Crohn's disease for a while now. And I remember before I got diagnosed, I was just going through um, all the symptoms, all these horrible things that were happening, and we had no idea what was wrong with me. And we were just trying all these things. And I remember it would just try this thing and try this thing, and maybe it would work for a little bit, and then it would stop and try that and try that and, you know, give up this food or that. And somebody would come and be like, oh, my friend has digestive problems. Like, they tried this. And Man, it was exhausting. And I just didn't even know what direction to go on, but I would try as hard as I could in the direction that someone told me, and then it would not work, and I'd try in a different direction in years of this. And I was fighting as hard as I could, fighting with everything I could to try and go in a direction. And then all of a sudden, when I got diagnosed, it switched. And I was like, now I know what I'm fighting. Now I know what I'm fighting. All the symptoms are exactly the same, my experience is relatively the same, but now I know what I'm fighting. And now, for the, before, people would be trying to give me advice, do all this, all this. Now I'm viewed as someone who is actually fighting in this fight. And so people come to me and say, hey, what do you try when you're in this? Or what do you do when you're here? And it's because the only difference in my situations is that now I know what I'm fighting. 
and I can speak to it. When I know what I'm fighting, I'm seen as more of a, uh, I, I know I'm actually able to do it. And that's as Christians, we try this and we try that and we try that and we follow this person, we follow that, we follow this. And Paul is saying, listen, there are things that are going on. You don't even know what fight you're in. You're not even fighting the right things. And that's what our first point is today. I just wanted to uh, stop there before we continue on reading is that uh, we have to realize that spiritual warfare is real. It is happening right now. And that's the second um, point is that spiritual warfare is happening right now as we speak, right now in your seat. You have a choice of whether or not you want to allow the word of God to absorb into you. You have a choice of whether or not you want to then follow it. You have a choice of whether or not you want to surrender to the Holy Spirit. This is what's going on right now. And we don't even really talk about it. We hardly talk about it at all. I mean, we talk about spiritual things, but about our actual battle. We say, well, what actual things can we do? What physical things can we do? I was talking about this with, our, with a, a group of friends of mine um, this weekend. It was like, how do we, what action steps do we now need to take as far as this? And, and I listened to a, a preacher the other day, and he said, before we seek some sort of next level thing or the next greatest thing, he says, are we just even doing what this says in our own lives? That's spiritual warfare. Are we taking it seriously? Are we looking at the world that way? And you may be asking, well, I don't even know how to do that, right? How do I even, how do I fight this? And that's where Paul um, continues on here in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6.13 it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. So just like Paul is saying, I'm encouraging you to listen to his words. There's a, there's a battle going on. The encouragement in this book and why he ends this book the way he does is he says, we can win. Not only the battle, well, the battle is already won, but we can win our individual battles because the battle is already won. You've been equipped. You've been equipped to win these spiritual battles if you know what you're fighting if you're cognizant of it, if you choose to arm yourselves, it's all there. And he goes on and he says here, he says, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Just a little bit about each thing. In a Jewish tradition, one of the cool things is that they spoke in a lot of uh, parables. It's why Jesus, whenever he spoke in parables, it wasn't seen as something weird. It was just accepted. A lot of rabbis, a lot of teachers, they spoke that way. They used um, a, you know, allegory and different things like that. And so whenever they do these things in the Bible, a lot of times I think we tend to look at them and, and think of them more flippantly because in our culture, like an illusion is like, well, I know that illusion doesn't quite work, but you get what I'm saying, right? But in the Jewish culture, they would think very, I mean, you look at, there's, for 2,000 years, people have been trying to dissect Jesus's uh, parables and parables inside the Bible, and they've consistently held true. They purposefully thought about what they were saying and made it that way. And so we see this belt of truth. Why would Paul choose the belt to be truth? Because truth is what holds everything together. It's what binds the sword of the Spirit to us. The truth, 
the acknowledgement that this is truth. It's, our, it's the thing that holds everything together. Body armor of God's righteousness. Here's a big one. Body armor of God's righteousness. It's not our own righteousness. We are trying to put on God's righteousness. It says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that will be fully prepared. Here's the thing is that when we spread the gospel, when we talk about the good news of Christ, when we do that, the more that we do that, the more that we're in tune and reminding ourselves of that good news, of that gospel through speech, through being able to share it, it gives us peace because it reminds us of the sacrifice that was made for us. And it makes the journey easier. Why is it shoes? Because we can walk. We have peace. We have the ability to keep traveling. If you've ever, I, I hiked um, a big portion of the Appalachian Trail in college with uh, uh, one of my buddies. And one of our guys in our trip had um, his shoes went bad about partway through the trip. And we almost, he almost had to call somebody to come pick him up. Totally, totally strong, you know, fit guy. He, he, he had done this all a ton of times. And uh, he got this big blister on his foot. And it put him down. Here's the thing is that when we speak about Christ, when we share about Christ, when we put these things on, this good news, it puts peace into our lives. It lets us do this journey. In addition to all these, hold up a shield of faith. Even when we try to put on God's righteousness and we fail, we still have that faith. We still have faith that will block out these arrows. In the very end, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a lot of times when I don't put on that armor correctly and I'm starting to get barraged by all these arrows, by all these things that are hitting me. And in the very end, all I do is crouch down and I hold up that shield and I say, I don't know about anything that else is going on, but I know about Christ. That's it. And it gets me through times whenever I just feel like I'm about to slip, I'm about to go away, make wrong choices. And so it's a powerful image here that, that Paul paints. And uh, he comes up and he says, um, put on, the sal- on salvation as your helmet. Protects our mind, our thoughts. Salvation should transform our mind and our thoughts, how we see the world. Think about a helmet. It transforms how you see everything. Whenever I was playing lacrosse, I put on my helmet. It changes it. I can't see as well out here. I can't see. It keeps me pointing forward. It changes how I look at everything and how I behave because now I can't turn my head the same way. That's what salvation should be. It should affect us so deeply that we can't even look at the things around us the same way anymore. Look at the people as not enemies. Look at the people as images of God, desiring to be children, longing to be children, even when they rebel and act out. All my daughter wanted was to be loved. That was her deepest desire in that moment. But she chose sin, yelling and screaming, because that's what we do as humans. He's saying, no, I want you to think and look at this world differently because of salvation. And finally, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the God. It's the only one that's offensive and defensive on here. You may have heard that before. It's a powerful image. It has the ability to cut into people's souls and lay them bare, right? When they read scripture, something about it opens up to them and they say, man, I gotta change who I am. But it also has the power whenever temptation comes, it can pop into my head and say, no, I'm gonna block that. I'm gonna block that. 
This is powerful stuff. This is how we have to be living our lives every day. And Paul's trying to encourage us here, not only this church in Ephesus, but all Christians. He's saying, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. So here's the thing. I hope there's a challenge in there, but I hope there's also encouragement. There's a challenge to look at the world differently, and we're going to slip up and we're going to mess up. Paul even asked there at the very end, he says, pray that I don't you know, mess all the things up I'm telling you. <laughs> pray that I keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing even whenever I'm being tempted, even whenever I'm, I'm suffering. We need to pray similar prayers. We as a church need to be willing to open up with each other and say, I'm struggling in this position or I'm struggling here. We need to look at the world differently, see this spiritual battle that's happening. You can look all the way, you can go all the way up to the top, all the way up to politics, and you can see how greed and arrogance has sifted its way in. And about how they've chosen to follow the ways of this world, which looks like wisdom, but is foolishness. And if we see things that way, then there has to be some compassion that wells up inside of us because we see people who are lost rather than enemies again. We see brothers and sisters again. They, they've, not been, they've not been brought into this family. The Bible talks about, remember that passage, he says Christ died to adopt us into this family. There are images of God, their souls screaming out. I don't know about you, if, if you uh, listen to any like, secular music, I tend to listen to quite a bit, and uh, whenever I'm listening to songs, a lot of times these people are just literally sometimes, because I like some, some rock music, literally sometimes screaming out that they're searching for something, anything. And you just, at the first, you know, some, I guess in the past, you know, maybe you look at those people and you see enemies, that, that idea, and you say, well, if you, were not, if you were not so dumb, maybe you'd know God, or, or if you had just listened, you would know God. And if I look at that person, I say, oh my goodness, that person just, I pray in that moment, God, let them experience you, please. Because I've been where they've been. I'm no better than they are. And I want them to be a part of this. And so that's, that's the encouragement here, is that I, I hope that we begin as a church, and I think we are. I think a lot of times that's one of the things, is that I, as preachers, we get up and we talk, and, and, uh, and it sounds a lot of times like rebuke, and I hope it doesn't come off that way, because Everything that I preach always is just like things that I'm struggling in my own life, you know. And, and I hope that as a church, we stand up and we say, listen, we realize that what's happening in our country, in our nation, in our world right now is spiritual and we're going to fight it as such. And that's how we're going to stand and that's how we're going to do these things. And so I would encourage that in you. Um, the, the last point um, there, I think, is... Uh, when we being unprepared for spiritual warfare will strip you of your joy because we'll be bashing our heads against the wall trying to fight what we don't know what we're fighting. And so the key point there, how we end up with this, is um, learning to fight the right battles makes us strong, mature, and focused on what's important in life. Peace and reconciliation of relationship. So I, like I said, I'm not sure where you are, if that's something that you struggle with or not, but 
as a church, I hope that's where we go. I'm going to invite our uh, worship team to come back up. And as they come back up, I would just enjoy, uh, invite you to uh, join me in prayer. Dear God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you so much. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the fact that there's a lot of times when we mess up. There's a lot of times when we fight the wrong battles, when we pour everything that we have into it and then we come back to you and we say, look, we did this. And it's not even the right thing. God, we ask forgiveness for those moments. We ask for guidance in those moments. And we thank you for your peace and your patience in those moments. God, this morning, as North Main Street Church of God, we come before you and we ask that we begin to see this world in the same way that you see it. Allow us to see our neighbors not as enemies, but as image bearers, creations of you, people who are searching, God. We pray for those people in this moment people who are struggling, who are rebelling, and not out of a place of chastisement, but out of a place of desiring freedom for them, we pray that you soften their hearts. God, in miraculous ways, allow them to experience you. Allow people who are in their lives to speak truth. Allow that little bit of faith to block out all the arrows that are being hurled at them, God. Just allow that shield to envelop them. Allow them to know that they're not alone. There's other people around them. God, if there's people in this room who are struggling and they're fighting, they love you and they just want to be a good disciple of you, Allow them to see where they need to fight the battles. Allow them to clearly know where those battles are. Allow them to see the spiritual. Allow them to see their relationships in a way that is pleasing to you, God. God, we thank you for being present here. We thank you for being present in our lives. We lift up your name because you are holy, you are wonderful, and you are great. We acknowledge where we are in relation to you. And we ask for your forgiveness. Forgiveness for anything that may be plaguing us. I'm sure there's people here who are struggling with addiction. There's people here who are struggling with immorality in their life that they feel like they have no control over, that they can't get away from. God, that's a spiritual battle and we don't think about it that way. And we pray that they are able to protect themselves in those moments. God, allow people who are in their lives to step up and help them arm themselves. Allow them to reach out to those people. God, allow us to be a church that is a family so that we can better arm and equip ourselves. 
God, we know that even from the very beginning, even from these first churches in, like in Ephesus, our brothers and sisters were struggling with the same things, disunity within their people. God, we pray unity over your people in this church, in this town, in this state, in this country. God, we just pray it. Pray these things because we desire them from the deepest parts of our soul and a lot of times we don't know how to accomplish them and we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting and we all have ideas and God we just pray in this moment we don't we throw those things away please bring unity allow us to do what we need to do to lessen ourselves so that unity reigns and peace comes in in times when we need to step back and allow others to step forward, allow that to happen. And when we need to step forward, allow us to do that. Allow us to work as a unit, as a body. God, this is the thing that we are desiring, the people here are desiring. Drama and intrigue is exciting, but it's exhausting and it's damaging. And we're realizing after a year of discord, a year of just turbulence and brokenness, we're coming before you and we're just asking for restoration. Allow us to see those spiritual battles. Know us when to, tell us when to fight and when to stand our ground and God just be with those people who are searching for you be with those people who are not searching for you spark their hearts encourage someone to speak up in their lives God we love you and we lift your name Amen Thanks for joining us this week Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.